Yes, ma'am. I did not catch the skunk yet. I don't know how my dog can find the skunk so quick, but I can't find the skunk. But I will catch the skunk. And I will hook the skunk out of my misery. A couple quick things before we start. Um, We have had an engagement last week. A young couple are, have decided to get married, and there is now one less hot dude on the market. <laughs> Tim Marzieski and Kaylee Anton, stand up. Let's give them a round of applause. <laughs> so all you single ladies, hands off. All right? I've seen Kaylee. She's... Sweet as a lamb, but she could be a grizzly bear. <laughs> uh, I want to briefly talk about Ash Wednesday. I know that Ash Wednesday sounds very Catholic, but it's really not. Um, Lutherans do it. The Methodists do it. Um, the Catholics obviously do it. Actually, some Baptists also celebrate Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday falls on the 46th day before Easter, and it enters us. It brings us into a time of repentance, the time of Lent. And so as you come, and and it's not going to be a normal church service, it's going to be very, uh, we're going to do some interior work of the soul. It's a time to repent. It's a time to come before God and say, oh, God, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, and begin the time of Lent where there should be fasting and there should be praying and there should be times of repentance. So that's what Ash Wednesday is going to be about. We do have ashes, actually, to put on your forehead. Ashes is a is a, a very biblical um, representation of a time of repentance when they would sit with, throw ashes on their head in sackcloth. But I'm not going to make you wear sackcloth and I'm not going to throw them on your head. If you like to receive that symbol, we'll put them on your forehead. And I ordered special ashes from the Ash Wednesday store to do that. Okay, so, so we're, we're all set there. I didn't take them out of my wood burner, so don't worry about that. I mean, this, this is official ashes. So I want to encourage you to come out. It's something that we've never done before as, as a church um, church community, but but I think it could be really, I think it could be very meaningful. So hopefully we'll see you on Wednesday. It's actually this coming Wednesday evening at seven o'clock. And if you can see, I got a new Bible. Did you know they make Bibles in large print? How awesome is that? I can see this, and my notes are now bigger. I don't need my glasses anymore. I'm sending them back. Until this one actually starts to shrink, and then I'll have to wear my glasses again. But I'm good for now, I hope. Oh, no, I can see you. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, I'm going to pray. We'll get into it. God, I want to thank you for your grace and mercy and just for the things that are continually swirling around in this community, God. And, and we want to, Lord, we want to see more. We want to see, Lord, we know that you make a difference. But, God, I pray that you would give us the discernment to come alongside you. And uh, help you in making a difference for your kingdom. Not for the name of this church, not for the name of any one person, but for the kingdom and the glory of God. And so, Lord, just pour out on this church body dreams and visions. Give them ideas and creativity on how we can come alongside you in your work. Lord, This morning, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Okay.
It helps if I turn it on. Ta-da! Right? I'm going to read out of my Bible because it's a big print. I tell you, you know, back in the day, I could hang with the best of them. Like, I can go to bed, not for a weekend. I stayed up to 2 o'clock on Friday night, and I'm still hungover. I wasn't drinking. I'm just saying, I am still. I drank four cups of coffee yesterday and a Red Bull just so I could take a nap. So I can rest up to go back to bed later on that night. All right? So I don't know what you're going to get this morning, so just be graceful. That is kind of small, huh? (laughs) Shame for you. Galatians chapter 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, yeah, that thing, has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? The kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. For those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. (laughs) You might want to look up that in Wikipedia to see exactly what that means. And we're not going to focus on that this morning. The summary of the cross, the underlying principle of the whole thing, the byproduct, the result, the work of Jesus Christ is about freedom. You've been set free. In the first four chapters of Galatians, Paul is kind of laying out the theology of what that freedom is. What it, what it's, how, did, how did we understand it? How are we supposed to understand it in the context of God? And pretty much it comes down to this. If you believe that you are justified before God by following the law, by following the rules, by your morality, by your good behavior, you're wrong. It doesn't happen that way. You cannot justify yourself. It has never been what you've been able to do. Ever. It's always been what Christ has already done for us. And this is what Paul continually is pressing into the Galatians. So we have been set free from the consequence of sin. We have been set free from us trying to make things right. We have been set free from our own efforts. From trying to get it done. 
We've been set free from the guilt that we can experience when we try to get it done and we fail. All of those things are just a non-issue for us anymore. Not because of us, but because of what Christ has already done. We've been set free from slavery, from oppression, from bondage. We have been set free at last. Are you understand? This is, this is the whole crux of Paul's Paul's letter here, and he said, and he's telling the Galatians, you have to. It's imperative that you stand firm in that freedom. Plant your feet on the rock of Jesus Christ. Don't be pushed and don't be swayed from him and him alone. It's always been Christ and it's always been in him and in him alone. Self-help. Self-justification, self-sanctification, they're all a lie. It's all a myth. The only thing that you can get done right in yourself is self-enslavement. You cannot justify yourself before God. You cannot help yourself, though there's a big market for a lot of books on self-help. And you cannot find your own sanctification. It's only the work of Christ and the work of Christ alone that brings us to that point. Those philosophies and theologies are garbage. And Paul is saying, listen, Jesus follower, will you finally stop it and enjoy the freedom that you already have in Christ? Enjoy what you have in Christ. And when you stand firm in it, You will not be pushed. You will not be pulled. You will not enter into the sway in the winds of culture and society as they tug at you, as they push at you, as they tell you what you need to do, how you need to live, what you need to own. When you stand firm in the freedom of Christ, those things just go away. You focus on the cross. You focus on your freedom. We are finally free to forgive and be forgiven. We are finally free to love people and love them with a no matter what Jesus love. We are finally free of the fear of competition. We are finally free of of the fear of trying to live up. We are finally free to grow in intimacy with your daddy, Abba, Father, God. He calls you. He loves you. You are finally free to enter into that relationship. Those are the things that matter in life. And we cannot, we cannot give up on them. You have to engage them every single day because there is an enemy that wants to grab that truth from you and put you back into slavery. But see, your freedom is bought with a cost. Is a price. The savior of the world happened just to be the son of God who happened to be God stretched out his arms on a cross and was crucified on that cross, tortured for hours so that we can have this freedom. Your freedom has come with a cost. And this is this is a fact This is not theory. This is not a maybe. This is not, man, I really hope so. This is a fact that because of the work of Jesus on the cross, Christian, you have been set free. And Paul is concerned 
for the Galatians because he believes that they are going to lose that freedom by going back into the old way of life. Now, freedom is a very interesting thing. We are very thankful in this country for freedom. We believe we are a free country, and I believe that we are. But I wonder if we fully understand being free. I mean, are we really free? Or are we just freer than other cultures, societies, and countries? Think about this for a second. Let's think about money. Now, yes, the love of money is the root of all evil, but the reality of it is we need to have money. If you would like to eat, that costs you money. If you would like to have clothes, it's going to cost you some money. If you want to put gas in your car, well, if you have a car, you have to have some money to have a car. And then you have to have money to put gas in the car. If you want to live in a house, if you want to live in apartments, you have to, you have, to have some type of money. If you want things like electricity, you have to have some money. In order to get money, we have to, well, one way you can do it is you can rob it. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, no, don't rob anybody. The other way is to have a job. Now, a job is very interesting because when you have a job, that job tells you when you have to be there. It tells you what you have to do. And it tells you how much we expect you to get done while you're there. It tells you when you can have a snack. It tells you when you can take a little time to eat. It tells you when you can leave to go home. It tells you when you can take your vacation and how long you actually get for your vacation. It tells you when not to come in. And it tells you how many days that you can take off when you're supposed to be there, but you might be feeling a little sick. So we're going to give you a certain amount of those days. Does that sound free? That's just your job. Now, I'm not saying you should all quit your job, but freedom is a, can be a very relative thing. It's a very interesting concept, but the free, cultural freedom is something very different from what Jesus is giving to us. What Jesus is giving is something much, much deeper. He says in Luke chapter 4, Jesus, I have come to set the captives free. That is not from your cubicle. Okay, you, you following? He said, I have come to set those who are in prison free. It's not your nine to five. Jesus is offering us something much, much deeper. But I wonder if we really fully understand what he's giving us. What the freedom is that he is actually offering. Jesus' freedom, I think, goes way unpracticed by Jesus' followers. Jesus' freedom, I think, we don't do well practicing, as Christians, Jesus' freedom. Now, this morning, I owe a lot of my, my thoughts to, again, Eugene Peterson, who has just blew my mind, has blown my mind with his ideas of, of uh, the book of Galatians. Um, when we don't practice freedom, when we don't walk in it, when we don't understand it, then we become unaware of all the ways that we can actually lose that Jesus freedom. And we can lose it very, very easily. And sometimes we're not living in it. And sometimes being free is kind of scary. I wonder if we're like um, Brooks from the Shawshank Redemption. You ever see that movie? Now, I want to play you a video excerpt of, of this movie, a little portion of this movie. But listen, first, I would like to stand here and I want to apologize to you all. He uses a word in this clip that has to, it's, 
the word that you keep water behind in the big wall, you know, that word, but he uses it not in that context. So I'm, this is a very powerful clip. It's in here. I'm going to ask for your grace. I'm going to ask for your forgiveness um, that we're going to play it. But, but just look at how he deals with his freedom.
His whole life, he was told what to do. He was told when to do it. Food, clothes, sleep, work, rest, all restricted and planned by other people. And then he gets out of prison. He is free. Something he has dreamed about his entire life. If you know the story, he was put in prison at a very, very young age. And now he is out. And he has to live as a free man in a free society. But the problem is, he has no idea how to do it. He doesn't know how to live in freedom. And he's afraid and, he's, and he, just, he just can't seem to find his groove in it. Freedom can be a very scary thing, especially when you don't know how to live there. How to engage it, how to move in it. You know, prison or oppression or bondage is not the good way to live. It's not the way God would have you live. But it does offer some comfort of routine and you can kind of know what it's what's going to happen you can almost feel safe there now if we look at the bible and the stories in the bible there's this amazing freedom story in the book of exodus and it's the hebrew people and it's their story it's like it's like where it all kind of begins for them as a nation right first you have abraham isaac jacob and even even joseph these guys lived their life, um, they lived a life of, of faith, and they lived a life of freedom in the desert. And the desert is a hard life. The nomadic life is a hard life. But that's where they lived. They lived with faith in God, and they lived in the freedom of God. And yes, they experienced ups and downs, and they experienced suffering, and they had to make some really tough decisions throughout their life. They had faith. And they lived free. And they, they, had, this, they had this sense that, that they were fully alive. And they looked to God for everything. But things were going to change for those people. Things would change drastically. The Hebrew people would find themselves at one point as slaves in Egypt. Now, Egypt was a pretty amazing nation at that time. Their system of religion and politics and culture and society, it was all one and the same thing. We, we didn't have different aspects of it. It was all the same thing. And the Hebrews found themselves as slaves within that culture. And they were building um, buildings and palaces and tombs that are standing even today. They were part of that building project, but they were still slaves. Now, the patriarchs lived this life of faith. They lived this life of freedom. God was in control. God was their blessing. God provided for them. God was their freedom. And now they find themselves in Egypt working as slaves. And men and system and society and culture, they are in control of these people. The culture told them how to live, told them what to do, when to do it, when to get up, when to sleep, how much they had to make, how much they had to work, how much they had to produce, when they can go home. Kind of sounds like your job, doesn't it? I mean, but, but this is what these people experienced. They, even they were even told the appropriate way to worship. 
You see, when God is in control, we're free. When people are in control, we become slaves. When you're in control of you, you become a slave. When you allow God to be in control of you, you can walk in freedom. Egypt at the time was one of the most religious cultures in the world. All their politics, buildings, writing, art, society was all based in the religion. And so the slavery that the Hebrews found themselves in was a religious culture based and built on slavery. The leaders of that culture controlled everything to make sure that nothing got out of control. So what we had was religion being oppressive and enslaving people. And then one day that all changes. God calls this dude Moses. He says, yo, Mo, I want you to, I want you to set my people free. I want you to lead them out. So Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, hey, here you go, man. And then there's some back and forth. We got a few plagues happening. And first they can go, then they can't go, then they can go, then they can't go. Pharaoh is just a stubborn type of dude. And finally, the last plague, finally, the last plague, the, the, the firstborn die. And Pharaoh's like, just get out. And here we have this nation of people. A nation of people. One day are slaves. And the next day, they're free. One day they are slaves. And the next day, they are free. But not only do they leave their slavery, but they leave routine and they leave something dependable. They leave, in fact, later on in the wilderness when, when, Moses, when Moses isn't giving them food, they said, you dragged us out here to die of starvation when we sat around in Egypt around pots of meat. And so they leave. They leave with just a few, um, they leave with just a few prayers, some songs. They kind of leave with, they, they rob the Egyptians but they will walk with God and they will experience this new freedom. 400 years they were slaves building buildings for another culture. Now God wants them to build a community of faith in him. And so they move out and God will call Moses up to this mountain and he's going to give him the freedom constitution. And the freedom constitution we call the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments, you might think, you might be wondering, how can a set of rules actually be free? I love when you wonder well. That's a good wondering. Think about it this way. Okay, so what we have in the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath, we got to, uh, we got to uh, honor God. We don't use his name in vain. You shouldn't kill. You shouldn't be stealing. You got to honor your parents. There's no coveting, right? There's no stealing. See, these, this is the constitution of freedom, Without these things involved in our everyday life, we cannot live free because in the Ten Commandments, the truth of God is protected. Human life is honored. In the Ten Commandments, the dignity of work is protected. Relationships are protected. Truth is protected. And if you look at them in that light, we need those protections to actually live as free people. It's no wonder that we lack freedom without Jesus Christ because we can't even get the big 10 right. 10, that's, 10 we can't even get right. 
Do you see why we need Christ? So eventually Moses, he heads back up there. Now he's going to get the day-to-day stuff. He's going to get the law. And God's going to tell him, this is how I want you to engage the community. This is how relationships should go. This is how the festival should go. This is how you should worship. This is how you're going to walk in harmony with me. This is how you're going to live. And all of this is pointing to Jesus. The whole Old Testament points to Jesus and the revelation of Christ. But they don't quite get it. And see, and Moses is up there and he's spending just a little bit too much time up there. And the people are starting to get frustrated. The people, it's just, they're, they're starting to lose track of what's going on. They're getting bored. They're getting restless. They were once slaves and they had to work and they had to work and they had to work and they had to work. But now they're free and they're laying around and they're kind of doing nothing. There's no more traveling anymore. And they get bored and they get restless and they go to Aaron, Moses' brother, and they say, Aaron, Make for us gods that will go before us. This Moses guy, we have no idea what he is. And so Aaron being a good guy. All right, give me your gold. Yank some fillings. We'll whoop something up. And he makes them a gold calf. Which is a god in Egypt. You see, the people have made a decision now to live by sight. And no longer by faith. They want want what every other culture has. They want to see their God. They want to to be able to dance in front of something. They They want to look at something. They want to touch it. They want to feel it. They want something visible. And so they get their golden calf. Well, Moses comes down off the hill and he is ticked. He sees what's going on. They're all whooping it up. They're partying. He takes the tablets. He throws them down on the ground. They smash, he takes the gold calf, he melts it down, he grinds it up into powder, he puts it in the water, and he makes the people drink it. Ha! Nice guy, huh? You know, I get to have a lot of conversations with a lot of different people in my job. It's one of the things I love about what I do. I've traveled the world and had many of those conversations. I get to talk about faith and religion and life and Jesus and all kinds of other things that have to do with those topics. And what I've learned through my travels and through my conversations is people are attracted to. People, they're looking for a religion, a faith system that will not put any demands on them. They're looking for a faith system that only gives them rewards. Only makes them feel good. They're looking for something that's entertaining. They want a religion where there's absolutely no waiting. Where there's no emptiness. Where there's no silence. They want something that can deliver on demand. Maybe some of you are like that. I think we all kind of ebb and flow personally through that. In times of our lives. But God has given us everything that we need. He's given us this whole amazing creation so that we can experience him. He has given us Jesus Christ on the cross so that we can experience the sacrificial, amazing love. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Paul just, I mean, I can just, we didn't even have to put all that other stuff up there. It's that one line that just kind of sinks its teeth into me. 
And we like to think that we live as free men and free women. But I have to wonder, do we really know what it means to be free? Because, you know, when we find ourselves bored with God, when we find ourselves a little restless because he's not He's not getting it done like we think it should be getting done, right? When it's not happening when we want it to happen now. I mean, if I can get a full dinner in a microwave in three minutes, obviously God can show up when I want him to now. And so we get bored and we get restless. And we may not say this out loud, but I bet many times our actions and our attitudes and our thought process think it. We, our sentiment is, you know what? Make me a God that will go before me. Something that I could see. Something that I can experience. I want to be entertained. I want to be pampered. I need my ego stroked a little bit here. I need something that's tangible. I need to elevate myself above someone else so I can just feel a little bit better today. We fall right back into the very thing that we've been set free from. We fall right back into slavery. See, too often we grow tired of freedom and faith. Because it's, it's a hard thing, and I get it. And I'll tell you, man, I don't have any easy answers for you this morning. These are just kind of my thoughts throughout uh, the week. And I wish I had one step to give you, but I don't. It's something that you all have to wrestle with on your own. But we get, we get tired of freedom because it's hard to live by and it's scary. And faith and freedom, it moves us into places of uncertainty. It moves us into silence and into emptiness. It moves us into the desert where we have to rely on God and God alone. See, faith and freedom go together. Arrogance in yourself leads to slavery. But when we're in the desert too often, we just, we just we get tired of being in the desert, right? We walk out and we fall right back into the things that God has freed us from. And God becomes some decoration or some ritual. For the Galatians, it became an outward scar. Or we just think that, you know what, I want a God that, that I can drive up in my car, place my order, drive to the next window, and get my order. Wouldn't that be so convenient, See, we don't like the desert. We don't like the silence. We don't like the emptiness. But that's where we become alive. That's where freedom is sometimes. It's not always there. Don't think that your life is going to stink because you're a Christ follower. But sometimes he's going to lead you there to get you out of the slavery that you're in so that all you see is him. All you need is him. All you can focus on is him. And all that other junk, your Egypt goes away. The comfort goes away. Those things that you have held on to go away. Don't fall back into tradition just for the sake of tradition. The Pharisees held on to. And Jesus told them, you guys are missing the point. You know, the biggest threat to Jesus' freedom is not atheists. It's not, believe it or else, the Democrats or even the Republicans or the Libertarians or the whoever. It's not politics. The biggest threat to Jesus' freedom comes from religion. It comes from a man-made set of expectations 
that, that we think that we could perform to get us closer to God or make God get closer to us. That is the biggest threat to Jesus' freedom. Man-made requirements added to the work of Christ on the cross. Remember last week I said that's like pouring a glass of water in the ocean and saying, look what I did. We got nothing when it comes to the cross. All we have to do is receive it. We can't add a thing to it, not a single thing to it. And this whole idea of religion, it gives us suggestions and how-tos so that we can improve our standing before God. The only thing that improves our standing before God is Christ and the cross, period, period. End of sentence, end of thoughts. Will you, church, will you stand firm in the freedom that Christ has given you or will you be pulled back into the religious or the cultural slavery that is so comfortable at times and so easy to get back involved in? Will you stand firm in what you already have been given because you have chosen to follow Christ. And it's not like you have to earn a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. It is for freedom that you have been set free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And this, we just keep talking about this thing over and over and over again. And I thought maybe it was just me because I was getting lazy and it was easy just to talk about this over and over and over again. But I can't imagine that the Lord would waste my time, that the Lord would waste your time. This must be something that's very important for the people of God, that we would finally, once and for all, look to Christ and go, I am free. Why don't we just say that on the count of three? Ready? I want to say I am free. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. I am free. Do you really believe it? Will you engage it? Will you just walk with your head high, shoulders back, knowing that Christ has paid the penalty for everything before, now, and in the future? You have been set free. And when you can get a hold of that, when you can understand that, Things will change. Your life will change. Not because you're trying to make it change. Not because you have to make it change. But because Christ is changing you. That sanctification. Justified in the flash of an eye. Sanctified over your entire life. You've been set free. So that you could become more and more like Christ every single day. Freedom is at the center of the Jesus message. Freedom is at the center of the message in this book of Galatians. Keep pointing up there. It's not up there. In this book, in Galatians. It cannot be ignored. It cannot be pushed aside. It has to be engaged every day. Every day you have to get up and say, you know what? Because of Christ, I have been set free. And the spirit of freedom comes upon you and fills you and you begin to change. And you will look back and go, Wow, you know, I, I used to do that and I never saw the transition. Also, you just wake up and you are here. And it was like you never even tried. I had a friend uh, write me an email a couple weeks ago. And uh, in his email, he said, you know how I know I'm saved? And, and I believe it was something like, because I am becoming more like Jesus in spite of myself. And that's the story of the gospel. That's the story of the gospel. Will you live 
freedom that is Jesus Christ. Please live in the freedom that is Jesus Christ. And your life will change every day until the day he calls you home. Say a prayer. God, this freedom thing, man, it's no joke. I pray that you would just 